Welcome back, readers. My goodness, what a convention. You got Harry Potters. You got Jack Sparrow. Oh, my goodness. Just everybody you can imagine dressing up. Have you ever been to one of those conventions? Maybe Comic-Con or something like that where people dress up in costumes and walk around. Hey, it can be pretty scary. Well, let's continue on with Anything But Typical by Nora Raleigh Baskin. Chapter 27. Are you Jason? Blake? From Connecticut? There aren't many other kids here. Not like our age, anyway. I don't have to see her. I don't have to look at her face. I don't have to answer. I know that it is her. And she smells like strawberries. Who are you? My mother is asking. Oh, I am Rebecca Stone. Jason told me he wasn't going to be here, but look, you're here. Her voice is so real. I am awake. I'm not dreaming. I can hear her. He told you, my mother is saying. I can feel her shaking hands with someone. You two know each other? Beside my mother's body is shifting slightly as her hand is moving up and down. They are shaking hands. From the computer, she says, like singing. I tell my body what to do. I twist my head far ahead, and I let my arm do what it's supposed to do. I put my hand out to shake. This is Rebecca, and she smells like strawberries. Are you Jason? She's asking. Her hand is dry, and I feel her skin, her bones, her hand. I feel her skin, and I smell her shampoo. I focus on the wall by the tables. I am nodding. Yes, I am Jason. I'm Jason's mother, Elizabeth Blake. I'm Rebecca. She said that already, but I can't look at her face. I'm supposed to look, to try. I want, I want... I want to be a snowflake that blends in with all the rest of the snow so nobody knows what it's like so badly. But now my mother is talking, but I can't listen to what she's saying. Something about where we are from, the plane, the computer. Oh, the computer. Of course, storyboard. Of course, yes, Jason has a little brother. Then my mother says, so you're a writer too? Jason is a great writer. I know, Rebecca says. I love Jason's stories. She sounds more like a grown-up. It is nice, but not nice. It, It is not for me. It is for her. It is for my mother. Rebecca changed the letters when I wasn't watching. She changed the language when I was trying to look back from the wall. I can look next to Rebecca. I can see her brown hair tall folding screen where there are posters and sign-up sheets and more people. There is a man and woman arguing by the door. I see the round of Rebecca's cheek and her eyelashes, but I can't even smell her shampoo anymore. I want so badly to breathe. I want, but I am the same. Look in the mirror. I'm still the same. Boy loses girl. Chapter 28. I started hearing the word autistic a lot after my diagnosis in third grade. 
But I didn't know whether it was one of those things, like when you learn a new word and all of a sudden you see it everywhere, and you don't know if that's because you didn't know the word before, so you never noticed it, or because all of a sudden it's everywhere. Some numbers you outgrow. They stick to you for a while, and then you move on, like your age and your grade. But some stay with you, like your birthday. Maybe your favorite baseball player if he never got traded. Letters are like that too. The letters of your name never change unless you grow up and get famous and you want a different kind of name. But your real name never changes and people will always look you up and find out your real name. I knew I had these new letters. A-D-O-S-L-D-H-F-A-P-D-D-N-O-S. That would always be linked to my name, that I was not going to outgrow. And even if my mom didn't know, and even if my mom didn't know it, I only had one choice. I could keep my name with all its letters and sounds and all its meanings and its non-meaning, or I could disappear. You know where those are. Look for the T. And that's when I started writing stories. My mother is talking loudly on her cell phone. She says the hotel will charge us money to use their phone. But there's not very good reception, so she has to stand in the little hall by the closet. Otherwise, I think she would be in the bathroom with the door closed so I couldn't hear her. Because she's not not telling the truth. No, no, everything's fine. How's Jeremy? Did he eat the meatloaf I left you guys? No, no, we found the place just fine and we are all checked in. We are registered. We registered about an hour ago. Yeah, there are lots of workshops Jason is interested in. It's great, just great. My mom is a lot like me. She doesn't want the people she loves to worry. She doesn't want them to be sad. The air conditioner in this room vibrates like a piece of metal inside is loose. I like it. I'm standing right next to it, listening. The pitch rises and falls like a voice, only this voice is calm and it is telling me to relax. I am comfortable slipping into this humming voice and talking to it in return. I have a lot of feelings, but nothing to say. All the letters and all the words they form escape me. I never finished my Banu story. I was going... Girl, check that. I know that because they just came back. I was going to write the ending and then post it to Rebecca. So Rebecca would read it before she went to the storyboard convention. After I found out I wasn't going. Before I found out I was going. But now I never want to write. I never want to put words together and sounds and letters that have meaning and that don't. Sounds like poetry and like weapons. That hurt and wound and lie and those that fly and soar in which I find freedom. There will be no more. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. These are the awake dreams that are real, like the bad dreams that are more real, like having no dreams at all. I will never write again. But my mom orders us room service, and we get to eat in our twin beds and watch Law and Order. Then we brush our teeth and go to sleep. Benu is my last fictional character. There will be no more. It was my last story ever. Benu will have the last word. No one will ever hear him, not even I will. Chapter 29 
We order the breakfast buffet in the morning. On other trips with my family, we don't. Because, my mother says, it's too expensive and we can never eat enough food to justify that kind of money. But I think my mother is trying to make me feel better this morning. And that's nice. What's also nice is that she still hasn't tried to talk to me or make me talk to her. She hasn't asked me about Rebecca, who she was, how I knew her. There are seven different kinds of cold cereals in those miniature boxes. Someone lined them up like playing blocks. Under those metal covers are scrambled eggs, two kinds of bacon, French toast, and hash browns. The covers are hot when you lift them. Steam hits you in the face. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Sorry, readers. The person behind me with her plate in her hand is waiting. She waits until I'm all done and looking at everything. She hasn't come a step closer, even though there's room. There are three rows of juice glasses, red, orange, and yellow. I don't know what the yellow one is. Cranberry, orange, and I don't know. My mother is saying, we sit down at a table with cloth napkins and coffee cups and silverware. Yes, please, my mother says when the coffee pot comes to our table. I watch my mother turn her cup right side up. The coffee sounds like a waterfall. Do you think you're ready for session one, Jason? It starts in about an hour. Her cup clinks back into the saucer. Session one. I signed up for turning fact into fiction before we even got here. Then we will. Ha- then we had to fill out the registration online. But I don't like going to it now. I have told my mother that I'm never going to write any more stories. But I'm not. There's no reason to go to the writing workshop. There isn't anything left. Why tell a story if there's no one there to read it? Why make a sound if no one will hear it? Now I'm thinking of black paint all over my ceiling at home. I'm covering up all those letters, all those letters twisting themselves into words that nobody understands anyway. This was the first morning no word came to me while I was brushing my teeth. Nothing. I am a blank. My mother is looking away. There is something about the way the skin on her face is loose now. Her hands are on the table. Even her fingers are loose. If she were a color, she would not be bright right now. She would not have much color. I think she's sad. What, Mom? I ask her. She looks up. I'm still looking at her. I just love you so much, Jason. When you hurt... I hurt. L-O-V-E. I can feel her love around me like colors and letters taking shape. Some I can see and some that are still moving. Some I know, some I don't. They stand still long enough to give you a name. I want to name what I'm feeling. Love is yellow, warm and safe. Grapefruit, I say. I want to say something I I love my mom so much. She says, yes, I think it is. Grapefruit juice. I make a face. I pinch my face. Yeah, too sour for me too. Then, just as we were about to leave the restaurant, I see Rebecca Stone walking in. I don't recognize her face exactly, but I know who she is. Maybe it's the way my mother stiffens, but probably more I put together when Rebecca suddenly stops walking.
then bends down to the carpeted floor like she has to tie her shoe, which doesn't need to be tied at all. Then she suddenly stands, turns, and walks in the exact opposite direction. And then when the woman who was walking with her notices that Rebecca is no longer with her, she calls out, Rebecca, where are you going? Breakfast is this way. I wonder if Rebecca has seen me or maybe she forgot something outside or in her car. And who is that woman with her? I think maybe it's her mother. At the same instant, I'm thinking all this, I hear a funny little sound. It reminds me of Lester when he was alive but when he was sick and you'd go to pet him. He'd make this funny little sound that only comes from pain, I think. Now it comes from my mother's mouth. It's not the kind of sound you can mistake for anything else. Benu drives all day to get to the hospital, the day of his big operation. The directions are complicated and the driver gets lost a couple of times in the high mountains that rise above the village where Benu has lived all his life, and with his family. But because Benu is so small, he's noticed the different types of soil and dirt, and he's able to direct the driver to just the right ravine and right to the hospital. There is a nurse at the station who takes his name and all information, just in case. Next of Ken, she asks Benu. He gives the nurse the names of his mother and father. Okay, then. Well, we just need to run some tests before we begin, the nurse tells Benu. What kind of tests? Oh, don't worry. We do this to everyone. Benu doesn't believe that for one minute. In the first testing room, Benu can't get up into the exam table. In the second room, Benu can't reach the paper and pencil he's supposed to write on. In the third room, Benu can't press the pedals of the testing machine. Okay, now it's time for your operation, the nurse says. You're going to be just fine. Benu isn't too sure about that either, but he has paid his money and he figures he'd better just go through with it. Take a deep breath, the doctor says, and count to ten. At least Benu thinks it was a doctor. He didn't recognize him with a mask over his mouth and nose. His voice is muffled too, so Benu hopes for the best as he counts. One, two, three, four. The next thing Benu knows, he's in the recovery room. He feels fine. He always he feels the same as he always did, the same as he used to. He decides to get out of bed and walk over to the mirror that is hanging by the bathroom door. But when he swings his feet over the side, what? What is this? His feet touch the ground while he is still sitting on the bed. Benu reaches his hand out as far as he would go as it would go and nearly knocks the clock right off the bedside table. As quick as he can, he runs over to the mirror. But of course, he can see his face. All he can see is his face. And his face looks exactly the same. Oh no, Benu cries. It didn't work. It didn't work. I am the same. I'm the same. Chapter 30. I used to play baseball. I used to get invited to birthday parties. I threw away my baseball glove. I shoved it deep in the trash so my mom and dad wouldn't see it. I used to write stories, but now I know I won't do that anymore either. 
Last year, my dad was a coach of the, my fall baseball team. I liked the way that sounded. It rhymes, fall ball. So I agreed to play one more season. We were the Seahawks, and we got gray t-shirts with the names of Mario's Pizzeria on the back and a cartoon drawing of a hand holding up a pizza with three pieces of pepperoni on it and a number, 39. Of course, games were bad, but even in practice, I know my dad heard things too. Jason, why do you run like that? Catch the ball! You're supposed to catch the ball. What's the matter with him? What's the matter with you? I heard someone, I think it was a man, tell my dad it was dangerous to have me out there. Way out there. I was in left field. I was always in left field. He could get hurt out there, the other dad was saying. He doesn't pay attention. A fly ball could hit your son right in the head if you're not careful. I thought about that, and I stood in the grass. I didn't really like grass, but my dad asked me to stand there. The balls rolled past the kids in gray t-shirts who stood in the dirt. A ball couldn't fly, could it? No ball came out here in the grass with me. I didn't hit the ball. I didn't like to step on the hard, dirty base. I didn't run right. I didn't stand right. I didn't like the socks, but the pants were soft and had an elastic waist. They were okay. Sometimes we sat in the dugout. I sat there a lot. On a bench, kids stuck their empty paper water cups in the fence and they stayed there like pimples. One boy kicked the dirt around on home plate, making a cloud around his feet. My dad and his assistant were getting in the, the equipment out of the shed. My dad left the key in his car. Wait here, Jason, he told me. The dugout was shady. It smelled like bubble gum and fake leather and mud. Want a dead leg? The voice was a boy's. He was next to me, but his face was turned in the opposite way, toward the boy on his other side, the one with the long blonde hair. I thought that the boy was a girl. He had a long hair, and girls have long hair. But it turned out he was a boy. The boy-girl answered, No, why don't you give him one instead? Uh, he moved his body further down the bench. A dead leg? Yeah, why not? I heard the thud first on my body. My eyes flew up to the ceiling, inside out, shingles. Dark. It was dark, but I could see there were nails sticking into the air. They were bent toward the wood, but sticking out, so if you jumped really high, you could touch the pointy ends. Then the pain in my leg, so that muscle went hard like a fist hitting from the inside. Pain! I had to get away! I had already learned that if you don't get away, it happens again. I stood, but I couldn't. I had only one leg left. I had a dead leg. Then there was dirt on my face and feet, black shoes. I was looking at the side of the dugout, a blank wall. Hey, look, I gave Jason a dead leg. He's dead. I'm dead? I felt another thud on my back. I kept staring at the wall and another like hammer on nails. There were more voices and more hammers until I was crying, until I heard my dad. I heard my dad, and I heard the other man, and they were shouting, but I was inside that wall where it was safe.
Loud, shouting, crying, fear, sadness, loudness, fear, shouting, shouting, fear. My leg didn't hurt at all anymore. Liz, boys, they're just little boys. Boys? Those boys are monsters. If those boys... I'm not saying it's right, but boys do that kind of stuff to each other. It could have been anyone. Not to anyone. Not to anyone. My God, he has bruises. But my back didn't hurt anymore either. Liz, Jason is fine. He'll be fine. Unfortunately, this is the world we live in. I was only 11, but I already knew my dad was wrong. There are many, many different worlds we live to live in. And sometimes there's no connection from one to another. It's like places where bridges used to be, but they got washed away. Where kids once played baseball, but now they don't because they are sorry they blew out the candles when it was someone else's birthday cake. And now they don't get invited to birthday parties anymore. And sorry they pushed over the potter's wheel, so they tried to write stories to someone who would hear them. But now they don't. They don't write anyone anymore either. So when we got get back from the buffet, my mother says it's time to get ready to go to the Turning Fact into Fiction Writers Workshop. I stop moving my feet. I look at the wall in the hallway of our hotel where I'm not home. I grow into the floor and the floor into me. Rebecca has finally seen me and suddenly not seen me at all. What's the point of going to the workshop when I'm never going to ride again or play baseball? I'm growing a list in my feet, in the floor of things I will never do again. Be invited to my cousin Seth's bedroom or a birthday party for someone who isn't forced to invite me, like my cousin Seth. I never liked baseball or my cousin Seth. I may never use a potter's wheel again in my whole life, but so what? Clay smells really bad, and I will never write another story, so why should I go to the writer's workshop? And then my mother tells me I don't have to go if I don't want to, and I start to walk again. I don't want to go. I repeat what she has just said. No, Jason, I understand. We can just watch TV the rest of this morning, if you want. I understand. Understand. Yes, maybe I never really did before, she says. We are heading back to our room so my mom can use the bathroom. I'm not going to make you go to the workshop, Jason, if you really don't want to. She's feeding the room, feed, feeding the room card into the metal slot on our door. The light blinks red. She flips the card over, but the light is still red. She does it again, red. She jiggles the door anyway, but it will not open. It is still locked. Here, I say, it is so easy. When I slip the card in the right way, the light turns green and my mother can open the door. I made my mother happy because I knew how to open the door. So I say, I'll go. And she's heading right for the bathroom, but she looks at me and smiles. Are you sure, Jason? I mean, sure. It's ill easy to make her smile. And besides, I don't have to write anything. I can just sit there. I'm good at that. It is in the corral room on the second floor mezzanine. I count to ten and press my hands against the sides of the doorway, but there are only five people in the room, and they seem to be sitting as far apart from each other as they can. The room is set up with round tables and chairs. No two people are at the same table. 
This is turning fact into fiction, isn't it? Someone is asking. That's what the flyers say up at the desk. Flyers? There are flyers? My mother says, Here, Jason, take a seat and I'll get one of the flyers. I don't like this room. It is tight, like a room that's been cut in half. The air conditioner blows from the ceiling in one direction, right in the middle of the room. Nobody is sitting at the table. I don't want to sit there either. What's wrong, Jason? I'm not going to ride anymore. I don't want to turn facts into fiction anymore that I want to go visit Uncle Bobby again anytime soon. Stories and dreams. But real is worse. Real is me. I think when I get home, I will delete storyboard completely from my hard drive. I will throw away all my story files. Jason, just sit here. I'll be right back, my mother is saying. Is it your father? Would it be better if your father were here? He'd know what to do. She's talking like she always does, sort of to no one, because I know she's not expecting me to answer. I wonder what time it is. What time is it supposed to start? The instructor is an author, someone at the next table said. I never heard of him, someone answers. He's not so famous, but I heard he's a good teacher. Maybe they're just signing autographs. My mom comes back with the flyer, but I don't look at it. But I do sit down in each chair at the table. One, two, three, four, and my mother follows me until we stop at after the fifth move. On this side, the air doesn't touch me. I'm facing the wall. All good now, Jason? good. Nobody in the whole room is talking and you can hear the buzzing from the overhead lights and the air conditioner sucking off all my stories, every word and every letter. I wonder if there is a buffet for lunch too. Sorry, so sorry, the voice comes from behind me. If I turn, I will see, but I face the wall, letting all stories leave my head. And way, the way my therapist told me to control noise, grab each one and let it go. Grab each one and let it go. The man in the protective suit. The girl in a world where no one needs anyone. Benu, Rebecca, Phoenixburg. Let them go. The voice of the instructor makes it its way to the front of the room. Well, it's a small group, so what do you say we all move forward? Maybe we could even fit at one table. I will not move. The stories come apart like a movie that is run backward. The characters crumble. First, their heads, their hands and arms and feet and the bodies. The paragraphs melt. The sentences fall apart. And then each word floats alone with, without any connection. And finally, the letters. Each letter that without another beside it completely meaningless. And I am facing a blank wall. All right, readers. We're going to stop there. And we will pick up again in a couple of days. Keep on reading. Don't stop reading. Bye.